Thank you for listening to the Haven Baptist Church podcast. Haven Baptist Church is a worship community in Santa Clarita, California. We are united by our faith in Jesus, passionate about our relationship with God, and devoted to impacting our world with the gospel. At Haven, we are committed to the passionate, expository preaching of God's Word, and it is our prayer that this message will encourage you and challenge you as you listen. Today, so we can share that um, with those who aren't here, but since we don't have the, the stream going, uh, I'll be able to talk a little more plainly with you guys today. Maybe that's exactly what the Lord wants. I want you to find your place in Proverbs chapter 24, and we're going to jump right back into our series that we're in right now called Under Construction. And uh, the Lord brought us into this series for this season, and I really believe that God has a word for you today. I told my wife uh, on the way to church this morning, I can't remember the last time that I preached a message series that God just gave me so much clarity about what to say. And I think one of the reasons for that is because we're in Proverbs, and Proverbs is a very practical book, and so you can really, it's it's hands-on. It's something that you can take and adapt into your life every day. It's not super theological, though the whole book, the whole Bible is theological, teaches us about God and how he interacts with us and how we can interact with him and live for his glory. But the book of Proverbs is very practical. And so I've got some practical help for you today. I want you to look in Proverbs 24 and I want you to look down at verse number three. And this is our text for the series. Verses three and four. The Bible says, through wisdom is a house builded and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, I'm going to do something today that I probably wouldn't normally do. I'm going to start with a quote from Pastor Tony Evans. But the reason I'm going to share this quote is because when I read it this week, the Lord uh, just put this on my heart that this quote gets to the heart of our series. I want you to look at what Pastor Tony Evans said. He said, you can't go from deliverance to destiny and skip development. Now, I want you to get your heart on, uh, on that quote. I know it's just the words of man and this is not the word of God. But this is a truth that we're going to see in our Bibles today. But I think this is so well put. You can't go from deliverance to destiny and skip development. Now, I want you to notice three important words. They all begin with the letter D. First, I want you to notice the word deliverance. Because this is where all of this really begins. By deliverance, he's referring to salvation. That's actually what the word salvation means. It means to be delivered. And I want to start right there in this gathering this morning. Have you been delivered? Have you been saved? The Bible says in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom, in his son, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Now, what we need to understand about this word deliverance is that before salvation, Before Jesus Christ came to this world, before he lived and died and was buried and rose again, before all of that, all of humanity was held captive by the penalty, the power, and the presence of sin in our lives. But God, in his unfathomable love, while humanity stood in direct disobedience and rebellion against him, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission for me and you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is eternally one with the Father and one with the Spirit, left the splendor and glory and riches of heaven, and He came to this poor, sin-cursed earth. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, and He went to a cross, and He died on the cross in our place. He was buried, and He rose again. Here's why. So we could be delivered. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says it perfectly. I shared this in our community group this morning. But Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. You see, Jesus did all that he did so that we could be delivered, so that we could be saved from the penalty of sin, which is death, so that we could be saved from the power of sin, which is death and destruction, and ultimately one day be saved from the presence of sin in our life. Again, the quote, put it back up there, guys. You can't go from deliverance to destiny and skip development. Now let's look at that second word, destiny. Deliverance deals with salvation. But what about that word destiny? Destiny is what I long to be and what I ultimately will become. 
as a delivered person, which is created in Christ Jesus or becoming more and more like Jesus in every single way. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, look at this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, let me just rephrase that. If any man be delivered, because if you're in Christ, you've been delivered. If you're in Christ, you've been delivered from the power, the penalty, and one day you will be delivered from the presence of sin. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That is your destiny. As a delivered person, your destiny is to become like Jesus. You know what the Bible says? There is coming a day. Listen to me very closely this morning. There is coming a day when those people who have been delivered uh, from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin in my life, there is coming a day when we will be like Jesus. We will no longer have a flesh to war against. We will be like Christ and we will be delivered and we will ultimately reach our destiny, which is to be with Christ and to be like him. But let's come back to our quote. You can't go from deliverance to destiny and skip development. That's an important word too. Development. We're under construction. And in this series, we're learning that God has provided for us some perfect means that will work together to bring us to a perfect end, which is our destiny to be like Christ, if you have been delivered, you are a part of a building program. You have been set on a predestined course of development called sanctification. And that's a big theological word that we've been defining in our series as the work of God in your life to construct you into the image of his son. So we're in a we're in a series or in a uh, this is the title of the message today. Trust the process. See the progress. We began this last week. You can go back and look at it on the pod or watch it on or listen to it on the podcast or watch it on our YouTube channel. But we've been learning how God develops us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so in Proverbs 24, we see three things that happen in our life. We are built with wisdom. That's the first thing we talked about. And second, we began last week talking about the fact that we are established with understanding. The, the analogy here is of a building project. And so what do you do when you're building a building? You lay the foundation. And that foundation is wisdom. It is not just good sense. It's God's sense. And so we learn the truth of the word of God. How God wants us to live and act out in our lives. And then we begin to live out that truth. And we call that understanding. We are established with understanding. And we said last week that a person of understanding increases. Proverbs says in verse number five, Solomon says in Proverbs uh, 24, five, a wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge or understanding increases strength. And we learned last week that we have to be satisfied with the process of Christian growth, but we can never become satisfied with the progress that we make in becoming more and more like Jesus. And so we said that it's, it's, we don't need to feel the need to rush the natural process of development, but don't ever stop developing. How can we do that? We said last week that the process for increasing strength is to be consistent, to be faithful, to accept new challenges, to recognize that God's going to bring difficulty into your life on purpose. And every difficulty that he brings into your life has the purpose of developing you or creating you in the image of Jesus. And number three, we said to demand companionship. Now we're going to move forward in this second message, this second part of our series. Letter B, a person of understanding inquires. If you got notes, I hope you'll keep notes. I'm going to give you a lot of helpful information that I think is going to help you today. Look at Proverbs 24, 6, please. You can see it on the screen. Solomon says, for by wise counsel, thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Again, Solomon is sharing with his son the process for development into a wise man. Or how to continue becoming more and more like wisdom personified, which is Jesus Christ. And here he says that this is going to happen. You are going to begin to develop into the image of Jesus Christ as you Seek counsel. Now notice the word counsel. I want you to, guys to put it on the screen. And I want you to take note of this. The word counsel means direction. It means guidance. It means steerage as being guided by ropes. So I, I'm going to help you understand the effect of counsel in our lives by giving you two illustrations this morning that I think will help you understand what Solomon was saying to his son about receiving counsel. All right? Illustration number one, Disneyland. Now, 
I want to welcome some of you to the message this morning. You, you, just when I said Disneyland, you're like, oh, whoa, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with this now, all right? So I was talking about sanctification and all that, and you're kind of like sleeping. And I said Disneyland, and everybody's like, whoa, I'm on board with this, right? So the first illustration is Disneyland. And uh, when you go to Disneyland or really any theme park or any amusement park, inevitably, you know this. Guys, put that picture up on the screen if you would. They're going to have some sort of fencing or some sort of ropes that will guide you to your destination. They will establish some guidelines in your life, if you will, that will help you to reach your destination. Now, anybody in here else like me hate the lines? I mean, hate the lines at Disneyland. Um, we're, we're too poor to... Uh, afford the fast pass. Um, but, uh, but we had to wait, you know, we had to wait in line quite a bit. Last time we went to Disneyland, I don't enjoy that, but I do appreciate that they at least give us a, a little bit of guidance for how we're going to get to our ultimate destination. But notice in our definition, it said it's also likened to steerage or being guided by ropes. But one definition I read this week said that guide ropes are designed to add stability. I was thinking back when I used to live in North Carolina and I was working for a landscaping company uh, earlier when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. I was working at a landscaping company and sometimes we would get out the tractor and we'd have to load some big rocks into the back of the trailer and sometimes or, or something heavy, maybe a tree or something like that. And what we would do is we would tie ropes to that heavy thing and we would have guys stand on both sides of the trailer holding those ropes to help steer and guide and to give stability to keep the object from swaying. And I think that's a wonderful analogy, a wonderful illustration to view the counselors that God has placed into your life. That's why Solomon says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. In other words, the more guide ropes you have, the more stability that you will experience in your life. Now, in verse number six of our text today, there are four principles for getting counsel found in this one verse. I want you to look at the verses on the screen. Proverbs chapter 24, verse number 6, Solomon says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. I don't know if you see the four principles yet, but I'm going to give them to you, and I think God's going to help them or help us with these principles today. Number one, the first principle I see from Proverbs 24, 6 is this. Have a network of wise counselors. Now, this is as practical as you're ever going to hear your pastor get. And so I want you to lean in with me and get something from this message this morning. Number one, have a network of wise counselors. Did you notice what he said? In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Solomon is teaching his son a valuable principle, and it's this, that one of the most valuable assets that you have in the wisdom developmental process is learning to communicate with, to give information to, and to gather information from your counselors. And notice what he says in our verse now. Don't, don't miss this. This is something for you and me today. He doesn't just say in the multitude of counselors, but in the beginning of the verse, he says, for by wise counsel, thou shalt make thy war. Do you have any wise counselors in your life today? Like, I want you to think about that in your mind right now. Do you have any people in your life that are uh, in a New Testament context, they're becoming more like Jesus Christ and they're guiding you to become more like Jesus Christ. Because here's what I want to tell you this morning. If you don't have that, I believe the Bible is teaching us that you're either intentionally or unintentionally hindering the developmental process that God has intended in your life through the benefit of counselors in your life. Hey, listen to me. This is simple. God intended for us, I said us, not just you, not just me, but for all of us to have godly counselors. Now, I know most of our kids are in Kids Haven this morning, but young people, listen to me. God gave your parents to counsel you and to advise you in your life. Colossians chapter 3, 21 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. God didn't give you parents just to annoy you and give you rules. God gave you parents so that you could look at them and say, they've been down roads I've never traveled. They've lived a whole lot of life that I haven't lived, and they can guide me. They can steer my life in a direction that will bring ultimate glory to my God. Children, you have parents that are given by God to counsel you. Hey, don't, don't stone me yet, but wives... If God has blessed you with a husband that loves him and is following him, you are called to submit yourself to his leadership as he leads you and your family in the will of God. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
Hey, husbands, listen to me. You're not off the hook in this message this morning. You are called to submit yourself to God's leadership. And I'll say this, Ephesians 5.22 says this. I'm sorry, Ephesians 5.21 says, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We are ultimately being led by God. But I'm going to tell you something. Hey, men, listen to me. There have been times in my life when we are getting ready to make a very important decision. And I'll talk to my wife about it. And she has a unique perspective that offers some clarity in my life. And I'm just saying this. We are called to submit to the leadership that God has placed into our life. We are called to follow these godly counselors that God has put into our life. 1 Peter 5, 5, it's not on the screen. I added this after the fact. But the Bible says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And then listen to what he says right here. And be clothed with humility. I'm going to tell you right now, those three words get to the heart of the message today. Clothed with humility. Do you have your humility clothes on today? Are you clothed? Are you dressed in humility today? Are you the person that walks around with your chest puffed out? Say, I've got it all figured out. I don't need anybody's help. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. And I know how I'm going to get there. Sometimes God wants us to sort of humble ourselves and say, you know what? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to get there. And thankfully, God has surrounded me with some godly, wise people who can guide me along the way. The Cambridge Bible said this. Look at this on the screen. The primary point in the spiritual ethics of the gospel is humiliation. Look at the next three words. Self is dethroned. Don't that make that makes us bristle a little bit. Because we want the throne of our life. We want to go where we want to go and do what we want to do. Gotquestions.org said each Christian should live in humble, ready submission to others. How about this Christian? God has given you currently and he will give to you eventually spiritual leaders. I'm talking about pastors and teachers and elders. By that I mean mature people in the faith that are there to help establish these guide ropes to stabilize you and direct you to the destination of wisdom. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. The Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself. Why? For they watch for your souls. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Do you understand what that verse is saying? God, your creator, has intentionally set some people in your life who love you and want to see you develop into the image of Jesus Christ. And God says, I want you to inquire of those people and I want you to submit yourself to their leadership. Now, I know this is kind of a tense subject and people get a little nervous, but let's break it down. The Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary said this, obey your living rulers. Nay, more, not only obey in cases where no sacrifice of self is required and where you are persuaded that they are right, so the Greek for obey, but submit yourselves as a matter of dutiful yielding when your judgment and nature will incline you in an opposite direction. I don't know if y'all are following me right now or not. But God, look, listen to me, God has placed some people in your life and he will place some people in your life that are going to be there, not just to say, hey, what do you want to do? We'll go along with that. But they're going to speak to you the word of God and the way of God and the wisdom of God. And they're going to be willing to say, hey, I know this is not what you wanted. I know this is not what I wanted, but I'm going to be willing to speak into your life the truth of the word of God. And you need to submit to that truth. Now, you know what happens in our life? Come on, let's just be real this morning. We find ourselves in a difficult situation where we need to make an important decision. You know what we do? We gravitate to counselors. We gravitate to the people who we know will tell us what we want to hear. Am I right this morning? We'll gravitate to the people who we know are going to agree with our conclusions. But let me give you a challenge this morning. Have some people in your life that love you enough to tell you what you don't want to hear. Hey, that right there will help somebody this morning. I want you to think right now about this network of counselors that you have in your life. Do you have somebody in your life that will look you dead in the eye and tell you what you don't want to hear? Because if you don't have that, you need that. 
I believe that's why Solomon makes a bold statement to his son. He says, hey, son, there is safety in the multitude of counselors. It's a word that literally means deliverance. There's deliverance. There's rescue in the multitude of counselors. I think a fair synonym would be the word victorious. And you know what? There's a lot of people, maybe even sitting in here this morning, who are living in defeat today. Not because they want to or have to, but because they choose to. And Solomon is teaching his son, if you want to be victorious, surround yourself with victorious, wise, Christ-like that will speak into your life what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Now stay with me. I, I don't know if I'm getting this across. This is very practical. Maybe this is teaching. I don't know. But here's what I found to be true. People of wisdom usually don't mind sharing wisdom. Let me say that one more time. People of wisdom don't mind sharing wisdom, but they probably won't offer that wisdom to you unless you express a desire to hear what they have to say. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse number five. This is a biblical truth. The Bible says counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. Now there's a couple of different interpretations of what that means. One interpretation is that there's a lot of wisdom in the wise person. They have a deep well of an immense amount of wisdom that they can share with you. But there's a second this, a, a second interpretation, and I think, I, I think the context implies that it's not just talking about an abundance of wisdom, but if you look at the second part of the verse, but a man of understanding will draw it out. In other words, that's, that, a, that deep water refers to something that is secret, something that is hard to be discovered. Joseph Benson paraphrased this verse, and this is what he said. It's going to be on the screen, and it's in your notes today. Though the designs and intentions of another man, especially one who hath a deep understanding, are as hard to be found out as waters which lie in the secret caverns of the earth, yet there are persons of such penetration that they will find means to discover them and draw them out. Now, you know, I wrote this in my notes, Brother Ken. We live in the DoorDash, Amazon Prime, Netflix movie streaming Generation, Did we not? Everything we want is basically right at our fingertips, right? And here's what I thought. If someone can make a better platform or a better device that will get that content to me in a faster way, I'll subscribe to them. I'll cancel my subscription over here and I'll I'll, um, subscribe to that because I want it faster. I want it now. I want it as convenient as I possibly can. And here's the thing. In our culture, convenience is key. But Solomon is warning his son, and don't miss this warning today, that wisdom isn't convenient. Wisdom isn't convenient. And you know what? That right there is why there's a lot of people in our culture, listen to me, who are not wise. Because they're looking for convenience. But Solomon says in Proverbs 20 and verse number 5 that counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. A man of understanding will draw it out. As much as I've, here's the thing. I read books. I listen to podcasts. I love all those things. But there is no better way of gaining wisdom than drawing it out of a person's heart. The problem, that's right, you got to work for it. The problem, and that's the thing, my next statement, Brother Ken, is the problem for us is that that takes a lot of effort. I'm not against podcasts. I'm not against, but here's the thing. What we want is we hope we can just stick our earbuds in our ear, and between the time I leave my home and get to work, wisdom is going to, boom, flourish in my life. We want it easy and convenient. God just... Transport that wisdom right into my mind. And God says, no, no. Wisdom is something that's like a deep well that you have to drop that bucket all the way down in there. And then you have to bring that bucket back to the top. Now, honestly, I've never done that in my life. And this isn't really a relevant analogy that we can understand. But guys, will you put that picture up on the screen for me? Do any of you know what this is called right here? This is called a windlass. I have no idea, but... This device right here is called a, a windlass. And in, back in these days, before they had uh, plumbing and indoor, uh, indoor plumbing running water, they would have to drop the, the bucket to the bottom of that well. And then when the w- bucket hit the bottom and filled with water, they would have to turn that crank over and over and over again until eventually the bucket rose to the top. And I love what Albert Barnes said. Listen to this. He said, every question is, as it were, a turning of the windlass. 
Every question, as it were, were a turning of the windlass. Matthew Henry said this, guys, put it up there. Though many capable of giving wise counsel are silent, yet something may be drawn from them which will reward those who obtain it. I did a lot of studying for this message, and I found that if you travel to Greensburg, Kansas, you can pay a visit to what is billed as the world's largest hand-dug well. Guys, put that up there if you would. The article I read this week stated, construction on this well began in the 1880s. As the railroads made their way across Kansas, a reliable source of water for the steam engines was essential. The work was done by the teams of men using hand tools, shovels, picks, half barrels, pulleys, and ropes. As they made their way downward, they lined the well shaft with limestone rock. The finished well is more than 100 feet deep and more than 30 feet in diameter. It took enormous effort to reach the water, but it has produced lasting results. And listen to this article. They said the Bible likens wise counsel to water in a deep well. Good advice is not just lying around on the surface. It takes work to find. And there are plenty of people who have no idea what they're talking about, but will be more than happy to give you a piece of their mind. And sadly, there will be plenty of people to give you advice that goes directly against the authority and commandments of Scripture. But anyone who wishes to be truly wise and reap the benefits of godly counsel is going to have to reject the simple approach and put forth effort, but the effort is worth it. Man, that's powerful for me this morning. And so let's just rewind. We're on point one. Do you, listen, ask yourself right now, do I have a network, a multitude of, of counselors in my life right now. Not one, not two. It says in the multitude of counselors, you need a network. Now, how many is a network? It's more than two. You need to have a few, whatever number that is, but you need to have some counselors in your life that are giving you counsel. Now, here's the second thing. How do I, how do I grow in understanding? How do I get this wisdom? Number two, man, this is real deep. Are you guys ready? Number two, get counsel. Like, if you came to church this morning hoping to get some real deep theological truth, you're not going to get it this morning. But well, I tell you what, look at me. This is, what, this is practical truth that will transform your life if you'll apply it. I hope you'll get it. Have a network of wise counselors. Number two, get counsel. Hey, let me tell you something. It's very possible that you have that network of counselors, but you aren't even using them. Like, they're there. They, but they literally have little to no real influence over you because you never go to them for leadership. Watch this. They have a title in your life. And their title might be dad. Their title might be mom. Their title might be husband. Their title might be wife. Their title might be pastor or supervisor or manager or friend. But that's all that it is. It's just a title. There's no real significance to the title. Jesus spoke into that. You know what he said in Luke 6.46? Look at this. This is awesome. Jesus is talking to his disciples in that. And he looks at them and he says, let me ask you a question. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command, which I say for you to do? You see what Jesus is saying in that question? Look, let your eyes get on that question this morning. He's saying, you have given me a title. What's my title? Lord, master, the one who we follow, the one who we obey. The one who gives the orders and we abide by the orders. You call me Lord. You've given me a title. But what good is my title if you don't treat me like you title me? Your lips say, Jesus, you're my Lord. But your life says, Jesus, I am Lord. You know, in my life in ministry, I've noticed a couple of reasons why people don't get counsel. Let me give them to you. And this is not on the screen. Oh, yeah, it is on the screen. I did put this in there. Sorry. Number one, the inconvenience factor. Like, okay, we've got the network of counselors, right? I've got my wife. I've got my husband. I've got my pastor. I've got uh, uh, another Christian brother, an elder in my life who is mature in the faith. And I know he's growing in the likeness of Christ and can help me grow in the likeness of Christ. I've got this network. Follow me. I've got a network of wise counselors in my life. But I never go to them. There's a couple of reasons why people don't go. Number one, the inconvenience factor. Now, it could be because it's inconvenient for us to get counsel. That may be the one reason we don't do it. Like we have to put the bucket on the rope and lower it down into the well. And then we have to do the work of getting it back up. But what I've found to be true 
is that most people don't get counselor because we fear that we are being an inconvenience to the leaders in our life. Like if I went to my parent or if I went to my spouse or I went to my pastor or I went to my teacher or I went to that elder, we don't want to bother them so we never approach them. But let me tell you something. A spirit-filled leader is never inconvenienced by leading. Right? So we could say a spirit-filled husband is never inconvenienced by me. Now, the first three words there, a spirit filled, are very important. You might be a dad here this morning, and when your family comes to you for counsel, you bristle and you brush it off. And you don't want to talk to them, and you know you don't want to take the time to invest in your wife and invest in your kids. You're not a spirit filled leader. But a spirit-filled leader, a spirit-filled wife, a spirit-filled pastor, a spirit-filled elder will never be inconvenienced by the opportunity to lead. You see, spirit-filled leaders recognize their calling and they recognize their gifting and they long to lead those who God has placed into their care. Ephesians 4, look at it. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he, God, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know why some people don't get counsel? They don't want to inconvenience themselves and they don't want to inconvenience others. There's another reason, number two. The pride factor. You know, the reason we tend to make bad decisions without ever having sought counsel is because too many times, come on now, we pridefully think we know it all. Y'all bear with me this morning. I know God put this on my heart, so receive it from God. I'm just the mailman. We pridefully think we know it all. And you know what the Bible says about that person? I love you this morning. But if you're a know-it-all, listen to me. If you're a know-it-all and you say, you know what? I'm not going to counsel because I already figured out what I'm going to do. I love you this morning. Did you hear what I said? I love you this morning. But the Bible calls you a fool. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Zach didn't say that. Those are the words of God Almighty into your life today. If you think you just figured it all out, I know where I'm going, I know what I'm doing, I've got it all figured out, you are a fool. But the Bible says, he that hearkeneth unto counsel, say it with me, is wise. You know what the truth is? We don't know it all. I don't know it all. Can we say that out loud this morning? I don't know it all. One more time. I don't know it all. Some of you are like, I can't say it, Pastor. It won't come out of my mouth. And you know what? You have pride in your life. God knew that we didn't know it all. So you know what he did? He placed people in our life who could establish some biblical, practical direction to lead us into wisdom. Are y'all with me this morning? Did you guys hear about the couple who asked the pastor if he would perform their marriage ceremony? He told them, he said, well, I'll do it, but... Uh, he said, I'll, I'll marry you, but you have to go through my premarital counseling before we'll marry you. And they said, we don't need premarital counseling. We've already been married four times. <laughs> so we all like, I still don't get that all the way. Okay, here's the deal. They needed premarital counseling, all right? That's why they're getting married a fourth time. Hey, let me be crystal clear right here. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you need to call your pastor or your network of counselors to decide which brand of cereal you're going to eat tomorrow for breakfast, Okay. I'm not trying to be foolish, but I, that's an extreme example, and I'm joking about that. But listen to though, God, while God has given you spiritual individual agency to make a lot of decisions on your own, listen, your counselors shouldn't be shocked when you call. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm hitting everybody this morning, but I hope it's making sense. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Brother Ken, you know what's helped me sometimes? I didn't mean to call you out right here, but a few, listen to what happened a few, a couple weeks ago. Brother Ken, how old are you, Brother Ken? Do you mind saying? 62. Brother Ken Nelson, 62 years old, called his 36-year-old pastor and said, Pastor, can I take you to breakfast on, on Thursday or whatever, Tuesday, whatever day it was? Can I take you to breakfast? And you know what we did? He sat across the table from me and he asked me some questions about a situation that he's facing in his life right now. 
a 62-year-old man. Let me tell you something. That, and he doesn't want me to do this, and I, I didn't necessarily plan to do this, but that, my friends, is wisdom. Not because he came to me, but because he recognizes in his life there's a network of counselors. There's a network of people in his life who can speak into his life and look into his life and say, hey, here's a decision that you're about to make. And here's what I think about that decision. There's so much wisdom in that. That's the way we're going to develop. Get a network of wise counselors. Get counsel. Here comes the third thing. Ready? Make the decision. Look back at our verse. I'm getting all this from Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel... Thou shalt make thy war. Can I, can I challenge you this morning? Don't be the kind of person that spends your whole life getting counsel and you never make a decision. Life is going to bring you to some important decision-making moments. Have a network of wise counselors. Get counsel from those people in your life. And look at me. Make the decision. Proverbs 20.18 says the same thing. Every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. And you know what Solomon is saying? Game plan as much as possible. Get ready for the day when, you, when your feet are going to hit the turf. I mean, game plan as much as you can, but when game day comes, get in the game and play. That's what he's saying. Notice in both of these passages, 2018-24-6, the context of the decision is war. Hey, listen, we are in a battle this morning. Did you hear me? There is an enemy. I hope you're hearing me this morning. May God, the Holy Spirit, help me as I finish this message to to touch your heart. We have an enemy this morning who wants nothing less than absolute destruction in your life. Look at me. He wants to destroy your kids. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your life. And you know what Paul said to Timothy? Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hey, Timothy, I mean, planning is important in a war context, but executing the plan is equally as important. One of the ways that you and I can endure hardness as good soldiers is by getting counsel from our network of counselors, but then implementing that counsel and by making important and sometimes hard decisions. Can I just, since we're not on the live stream this morning, can I just speak plainly to you? A month ago, your pastor got approached about a situation, an opportunity. And I, at first, I knew what I wanted. There was a way that seemed right to me, and that was to reject that and not to accept that. But I'm going to tell you what I did. I began, number one, I went to the great counselor. And the great counselor is not my dad, and the great counselor is not anybody else in my life. The great counselor is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I went to my Savior, and my wife and I knelt on our knees and prayed before God and said, Lord, we are about to make a big, important decision that's going to impact our life and impact the lives of a lot of other people. And we need your guidance, Lord. We need your wisdom. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. But we want to follow you. We want you to be magnified in our life, even if it means making tough decisions. Watch me now. And then you know what I did? I reached out to my network of counselors and told them about this important decision that we were about to make. And we began praying through that. The Lord Lord led us to a very difficult decision, as you, you well know. But you know what my hope is? Listen to me. My hope is that our decision will inspire you to do the exact same thing. That you will recognize that you have a network of counselors. That you will get counsel. And when God speaks into your life, and He will, God doesn't just speak to Zach and Amber. God loves you, and God has a word for you, and God has a plan for you, and He wants to lead you. And so you know what you need to do? Recognize that group of counselors. Get counsel. Pray over that. Get direction from the great counselor, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when He gives you the green light, don't wait around. Step out of the boat by faith and walk on the water and experience the Lord to do great things in your life. Hey, I believe something this morning. Listen to me. I, I, I hope you're hearing me this morning. This is not the decision that I wanted, but I'm fully confident that God is going to use this decision to lead us into a place, I'm talking about all of us, my family and your family included, into a place of fruitful ministry that we haven't experienced ever before. But we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to get that network of counselors. We're going to have to get counsel. We're going to have to make the decision. Here comes the fourth thing. Are you ready? Enjoy the fruit of your decision. Did you see what he said? 
For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors, last three words, there is safety. I said, I said it earlier, but that word safety means deliverance. It really means rescue. And again, I think we could use the word victory right here. In the multitude of counselors, there's victory. Proverbs eleven fourteen. it's not on the screen, but you can write it down. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Can you get your Bibles and go to one place and I'll give you this and we'll be done. At Ecclesiastes. This is my last section right here. But I want to give you something really quick. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Toward the end of his life, he had kind of been there and done that. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon's like, I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. It's not all that it was cracked up to be. I've had lots of money and that didn't satisfy. I had fame and everything that money could buy and none of that satisfied. It was all empty and vanity. But there was one thing that Solomon, listen to me, Solomon valued something above fame and fortune and riches and possessions. And you know what it was? Wisdom. At the end of his life, Brother Ken, Solomon looked back and says, you know, I, I don't necessarily want more stuff. I had as much stuff as money could buy. But there's one thing I, I see that's very important, and that is wisdom. And more than you need to give your life to having a new car or a nicer house or better stuff, you ought to give your life to find wisdom. And it's interesting because he says in this passage, look at Ecclesiastes 9, verse number 13 through 18, that the wisdom of the world is not the same as the wisdom of God. Ecclesiastes 9, look at verse number 13. It's not going to be on the screen because I added this after I'd already done the PowerPoint. This is an amazing passage that I have to give to you and then I'll pray and we'll close. Because in this passage, wisdom, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Solomon rather, Solomon gives us an amazing story about wisdom. Now look at it, Ecclesiastes 9, 13. This wisdom, he's talking about godly wisdom, not just good sense, but God's sense. Have I also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Now, he's going to tell us a story, and it's an amazing story. Get ready. There was a little city, and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. You get the picture? Now, let's pause right there for a second. All right, simple, right? There is a small city that had a few people in it, but apparently there was a great king that had a huge army and it was a king over a large territory. And he looks over and he sees this little town with few people. And he says, you know what we can do? We can take that city. And so he comes up to this little city and he sets up what the Bible calls bulwarks around it. In other words, he basically surrounded the city and he thought we're going to cap take captive this city. Now pick it up. Now there was found in it, in the little city with few men, a poor wise man. Now watch this. And he, the poor wise man, by wisdom, delivered the city. Now, are y'all getting the picture right there? <laughs> you have this great king, lots of soldiers, lots of chariots. They've got their swords, man. They've got everything ready to take this little town. And so they surround this town. They think, man, this is going to be easy. We got this. But what they didn't know is that in that city, there was, a old, there was a poor man, but that poor man had wisdom. And he spoke up and he developed a plan to, to deliver the city. Now watch what he says. This is unreal. Yet, no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, look at what he says. Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. But one sinner destroyeth much good. That preaches itself, does it not? This man, this poor man had wisdom and he formed a plan that set the, set the whole city free from the from the, big, the king that was going to besiege it. But you know, people are thinking, he's poor. I don't care what he has to say. He's not important. But you know what? I love what Solomon says. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. 
There's going to be a lot of people who have loud mouths and want to speak in your life, say all manner of things. But you know what we do? Look for the person who has wisdom. They may not have a lot of stature in the eyes of men, but if they have wisdom, I would get to that poor man. I would get to that poor woman and say, listen, I know you have wisdom. You have, you have something that I don't have, and I'm going to... Turn that wing last. I'm going to drop that bucket down into your heart. And I'm going to ask question after question after question and tell you about my situation. And ask you to pray with me and speak into my life and draw up that wisdom. Because wisdom is better than strength. Can I tell you one last story? George Washington, we've all heard of him, the first president of the United States. To this day, still claims that, you know, we still claim as he, that he was one of the best presidents that we've ever had. I read this week a story about George Washington whose father died when he was just 11 years old. George Washington, for a time when he was younger, he had his heart set, listen to this, on joining the British Navy. That was what he wanted to do. However, he had a mother who had some serious reservations about that path. And she strongly urged him to reconsider his path. And you know what he did? He listened. He listened to his mother and Rather than becoming the captain of a ship for the British army, he became the commander-in-chief of the entire military forces of the United States of America. You see, some people look at their parents. Hey, young people, I'm talking to you right now. Listen. Listen to me. You're going to have friends who tell you, your parents, man, they're outdated, they're old-fashioned. They'll, they'll raise their voice and tell you how you ought to live and what you ought to do. But you know what y'all do? Say, I'm going to go to the people I don't have wisdom. I'm going to go to my mom and dad. God's put them in my life to talk to me and counsel me. And I'm going to drop that wind last. And I'm going to get some counsel and draw it up out of, that, out of that well so that I can be wise, so that I can grow in grace and in the image and the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Hey, four simple, practical truths that I gave you today. Have a network of wise counselors. Do you have that? Like, honestly, a practical way to respond to the message today might just be to get your phone out later today and just create a note in your phone that says wise counselors and go down there and start putting names underneath that topic. Wise counselors. Wise counselors. People who are like Christ and want to lead you to become like Christ. Write their name down on that piece of, pa- uh, piece of paper or write it down in your phone and say, okay, God, you've blessed me with this network of wise counselors. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to get counseled. And I'm not going to let inconvenience be a, be a thing. I'm not going to let that inconvenience of dropping the wind last be an issue. I, I'm not going to even necessarily let their inconvenience hinder me from going to them. I'm going to go to them. Lord, I don't have it all figured out. I, I don't want to have pride in my heart. But I'm going to go to those wise counselors and I'm going to get counsel. And then Lord, when you give me clarity, when I know you're leading and when I talk to my counselors and I have that peace in my heart, I'm going to make the decision. Even if it's hard. Even if my kids don't understand it. Even if my family doesn't understand it. By the way, a lot of people won't understand why you're following Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Hey, if you're not willing to love me above all, you're not ready to follow me yet. And so sometimes there are going to be people in your life when you start to make wise decisions, they're going to say, man, what are you doing? (laughs) That makes no sense. But get counsel. Make the decision. And then you know what you can do? Enjoy the fruit of your decision. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us. We are in a season right now as a church family where we desperately need your wisdom. I thank you, Lord, that you said in your your word that if we lack wisdom, we can come to you and you will not upbraid us, but you will give it to us liberally. And, Lord, I believe with all of my heart that part of the way that you give us wisdom is by surrounding us with godly, wise counselors. Who if we'll go to them and put forth the effort, we can gain the wisdom that we need to make the decision. Would you help us with that, Lord? Help us to be spirit-filled when we give counsel. Help us to be spirit-filled as we receive counsel. 
and to be yielded to your will. God, above all, our prayer is that Christ would be magnified in life and in death. May you be magnified in every decision we make. Church family, I'm going to give you a couple minutes here. I want you to respond to the message today. I mean, this is as practical as it gets. But I really believe that this is one of the ways that God is going to develop you into a person of wisdom, a person of understanding. The, the foundation's been laid, but now it's time for God to build on that foundation a structure for the glory of God. And that'll happen as we inquire. I'm going to give you a minute to respond. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I spent a little time in the message declaring the gospel to you today. God loves you. He proved his love for you by dying on the cross for your sin. And salvation is a free gift that you can receive by faith today. You don't have to do anything to receive it. Just believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, that he was buried and that he rose again. And then the Bible says, just receive that gift. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, if you're here this morning and you are saved, you need wisdom. And so you know what you need to do? You need to increase. One of the ways we increase is by inquiring. Lord, would you help us? Thank you so much for the time in your word. Thank you for the practicality of your word. I believe that this, that, though I don't think I did a very good job of communicating this word, I believe with all of my heart that this is a word that our church needed today. And I pray this week that we will apply it in a way that is glorifying and pleasing and honoring to you. Create us in Christ. Develop us in your image. Make us more like Jesus for your honor and for your glory. That the world may see the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray this prayer together in his name. And everybody in the church said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that was helpful to you. And I was passionate about that. It's something that God put on my heart. And I know it was for somebody else. It was maybe just for me, but hopefully you got something out of that and you were helped by it today. A couple of announcements I want to give you very quickly, and then Matt's going to come and he's going to give you um, our giving challenge today. Uh, two things that I need you to remember. There's not a lot of announcements right now, but one announcement is this coming Tuesday night, we are going to have a fellowship at my house. Um, and so not here, but at my house, we are going to have a fellowship there at the house. And we're going to enjoy food. We're going to enjoy fellowship together. And we are also going to discuss some of the details about what's happening in our church and some of the things that are coming up and some of the opportunities that God has presented to our church family. And so I want to invite you to come. Uh, we would love to have you. And so um, I would encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, that's co this coming Tuesday night at our house. If you need the address, most of you have been to our house before, but if you need the address, let me know and I'll be happy to give that to you. And so we'll do that at seven o'clock this coming Tuesday night. We'll probably take an hour and just fellowship and let the kids play and uh, just have a good time of food together. But then around eight o'clock, we're going to gather and just have a a time of just instruction and give you a little bit of an update about where we are and what, what's happening. And so that'll happen this Tuesday night at seven o'clock at my house. And then this coming Sunday, that the 20th, we're going to be honored to have with us a guest speaker, Pastor uh, Brother Jamie Smithy from West Coast Baptist College. And Brother Smithy leads an initiative out of West Coast Baptist College called California for Christ. And so uh, I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Uh, our, our worship team will be leading in worship, and then Brother Smithy will be bringing the message. And so I want to please, please encourage you, please be here next Sunday and support that meeting. And I know that's going to be a helpful time for our church family. All right.